to make it clear that this storytelling process is happening all the time. And the problem is those stories often aren't the stories that are designed to bring you to the next level. Those stories are there to keep you safe. They're there to mitigate risk. They're there to keep you a part of the tribe and not get kicked out or, you know, like make, make mistakes or, or have something that you would regret. And so these stories play at those pivotal moments and, and, you know, with their best intentions, they're meant to keep you where you are with the dangers that you already know. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. If you haven't yet met my dear friend, Kendra Hall, you are soon to fall in love like I did years ago when I first saw her speak on stage. And since then, she and I have become friends and I've gotten to connect with her and understand the mission behind her business. So she is a best-selling author of the book Stories That Stick, How Storytelling Can Captivate Customers, Influence Audiences, and Transform Your Business, but she has a new book coming out. And it's the focus of our conversation today because today's conversation is designed to change your life. Her book coming out soon called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, Silence Your Inner Critic, and Rewrite Your Life from the Inside Out comes out in January. But we wanted to get her in here early so that you could get your hands on this incredible conversation with my sweet friend Kendra all around how the stories we tell ourselves as leaders will dictate where we go next. And we can consciously choose to identify and change those stories. She actually walks us through a piece of her proprietary process to do just that. So if you're feeling stuck, if you know there's another level calling you, if you feel like you're made for more but you can't quite figure out what's holding you back from getting there, you're going to want to tune in to today's episode with the one and only Kendra Hall. Kendra, so happy to have you on the show. How are you doing? Oh, that is a loaded question, <laughs> but I've decided that I'm going to tell you that. No, I am doing great, great. Things are things are good. They're full and they're challenging. And as a result, we're growing. So it's good. It's good. I know you like to be pushed like that. And yeah, I feel I resonate. Okay, so... I have been dying to introduce you and just your all-around giftedness to our audience. But before we jump into the goodness, as the queen of story, can you tell our audience more about yours? How did you end up 
turning the art of story into your actual career, booming career? Uh, you know, it's um, it's interesting because, and I think this is important to note because I think that when we are asked to share our story, there is a pressure to have like one story that we tell. But when you think about the journey of uh, any booming career or any career or any life in general, it's, it's a long, it's a winding, there are so many different pieces to it. And so, um, just a little piece of advice before we even get started is, you know, it's okay to choose bits and pieces, different parts of the story that you want to tell that day. So I am uh, one of those people who I've, I've always said in college, I lived my junior and senior year. There were six of us in the house, um, roommates. There were three of us that lived upstairs and three of us lived downstairs. And the other five girls all seemed to have a really clear path. One was in college for marketing. She already had internships in marketing. One was art and one was going to school to be a teacher and one was going to school for broadcasting and one was going to school to be a nurse. And then there was me who I always called myself the gonzo. I felt like such a like a, a, a mystery, like you would look at me and have no idea what I was actually doing. But the truth is, I, even though it didn't seem like a really straight path, even in college, even in graduate school, I found the thing, storytelling, that I would be meant to do when I was very young. I was 11. I told my first story. I saw the power of a story to draw people in and, and get their attention. I tested a story again in high school when I was writing a science paper and and came up like one page short. It was supposed to be a five-page paper. I only had four pages and I decided to like fill the last page with um, a story and that went over really well. Uh, I grew up going to storytelling festivals and competing on this speech team in storytelling. But all this time, I thought of story as like uh, a hobby or uh, a party trick in some cases. Like I would audition to be in a talent show. And since I can't sing, I would tell a story and I always thought it would be a good way to meet cute guys. Um, but I will say when I, one of the crossroads in my life was in my mid twenties, I was done with graduate school. I was VP of sales for a company and I kept realizing I was really frustrated, actually, that they kept missing key opportunities for really compelling sales or marketing messaging because they kept leaving out the story. And I was listening to a CD. That's when you listened to <laughs> CDs. It was an interview with Donnie Deutsch. And the interview interviewer asked Donnie, how do you, how would someone pursue their passion? If they're trying to find the thing that they're meant to do, as you asked, to have this booming career, how do you recommend they go about it? And Donnie said, well, go back and look at something you loved doing as a child. And I was in my car, I was driving home from work and I, all this, it hit me. Like I've always loved storytelling. What if I made that a career? Now there were a lot of, you know, different versions of that. For a while, I was writing uh, wedding vows for people. 
Oh my um, gosh. So that they could tell their story at their wedding for basically like 10 cents an hour for how much time it took. So there were a lot of different versions of what I did a lot of work in nonprofit until I came to where I am today, where still it's about the, it's always about the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the evolution of an entrepreneur's journey, like hearing how you started with the wedding vows and then that grew into something. Cause I think that's so relevant to so many of our listeners who have these successful businesses, but forget sometimes to look at where their roots were and the stories that came to be, even those little micro stories that came to be and evolved them and their business into what it is today. So I'm, I'm glad you spoke on that specifically. Just to give you an overview of what our listeners, like based on the feedback that we get a lot, okay? Yep. So the people tuning in are typically people who have a successful business, they're great at what they do, and many of them feel called The phrasing that they use a lot is they feel split in two. They feel called to being uh, parents or family-oriented people, and they feel called to entrepreneurship. And sometimes that lends itself to guilt. Sometimes that lends itself to um, being inspired to figure out how to do both and how to do both really well. But within our podcast and our company, we focus on leadership being that bridge to do those things well. Like we have to evolve ourselves into the leaders we are called to be in order to show up well for our businesses, but also show up well for our families and raise leaders of our own. So when you think of leadership or someone who really embodies leadership well, what role would you say story plays in the evolution of the leader? Like someone Mm. stepping into their next level. You know, I think one maybe trap entrepreneurs might fall into is they, to your point, tell the same simple story over and over because they've they've made that their story or their brand story. But we evolve, like we grow, we change. There's so much to our lives. So when we're stepping into that calling, when we're becoming the person we're called to be both in, in the four walls of our own home and around our dinner tables, but also leading our companies, what role does story play in that? You know, I think that this is an interesting it's an interesting question because so often we think about, you know, with storytelling and so much of my work in storytelling has been about the outward stories you tell. The story, you know, when someone says, what is your brand? What are you about? And you think about the stories that you are going to tell out in the world that fully encapsulate who you are, what your purpose is, why they should do business with you or whatever that may be. But if I've learned anything in my own evolution as a person who has felt split into, right, called to be a parent, called to be an entrepreneur, uh, called to deliver a message to the world and called to raise humans who will have messages that they need to deliver to the world, uh, The role that storytelling, the most important role that storytelling has played is in the very careful curation of the stories I tell myself, the stories that I allow into my consciousness, the stories that I allow to uh, and it comes on two different levels. The, The stories that I tell myself that either uh, propel my professional action or my personal action that lead me closer to to the thing that I'm I'm seeking that calling or that pull me away from it. And on the other end, that the stories that 
I think in some points that just simply siphon off the joy. You know, when you were when you were talking about going back and, you know, successful business owners and we don't often look back at where we came from. I mean, it's it's a shame on many levels, but I think the most problematic thing about it is if we never look back and tell ourselves the stories of how far we've come, we can't fully celebrate where we are right now and be like, oh my gosh, look at what I've made happen. Like, look at what, look at the dream I had back then and look, look at where I am now. So to answer the question, I think where a story plays the most pivotal role is the story that the leader tells themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go deeper on that because your first book was one that I I soaked in, you know, Stories That Stick was such a one I love reading any kind of nonfiction book because I'm a nerd. Like I want to learn more everything from how the brain works to to optimizing your body to how I can scale my business and marketing and all that. But the fact that I was reading a book that was going to support me in business and concepts that could support my own growth through stories was like a win-win for me. So I was like, oh my God, I love this. But then when I saw you were coming out with Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, and after getting to know you on a personal level, I was like, man, I'm in real time watching Kendra's evolution. Like I'm in real time seeing her step into her next level. And my guess, if I had to, if I could hypothesize, because I feel like so often we birth things out of our own experiences and our own hardships, that you've had some stories in your life that you've felt like have held you back and that you had to change and choose new stories. So talk about choose your story, change your life. Talk about maybe how it came to be from your own experiences or whatever you witnessed, because I want to hear that story too. Yeah, I... It's an interesting, it was an interesting progression in that I wrote stories that stick and I, you know, like it was so fun to see people and what they took away from it. It's what every author hopes when they write uh, a business book like that is that people will take it and say, ah, oh, I can make changes and be better in my business as a result. Um, and my intention, so this is the progression, but in a very literal sense, not necessarily the personal sense. I'll get to that in just a second. My intention was to, of course, write a second book. It turns out I love writing books as much as I love doing anything else. I mean, there's a love-hate relationship with it. Let's just, let's be honest about that. But I love writing books. And my thought was that my second book would be Stories That Stick which is the first book, but focused more like going more in depth on leadership, which, you know, that's, it was a very, it's a very interesting, like the leader, the stories that leaders tell that invigorate and align and inspire their teams where they should be told and, and kind of breaking down some of the barriers about the rules that exist within companies of what stories are and are not even worthy or appropriate to be told. That's where I thought I was going. But as time went on and I started to get feedback from stories that stick and naturally it was probably from that the stories that I was naturally sharing on Instagram or in those more, you know, writing a book, it's pretty concrete. You, you hand it in, that's where it is. But of course we are always evolving. Uh, some of the comments that started coming back, some of the takeaways were, you know, it's changed the way 
I've started to see myself. I'm starting to, or it was almost like a question like, okay, I get the outward stories, but what I feel like there's something more inside me that needs work. And so it was choose your story, change your life is a deviation in a way from the path I thought I would be going, which is writing a series of very on the line, like on the knot, on the <laughs> on the knot, on the nose, on the dot, whatever it is, whatever, <laughs> like straightforward business books. And um, the call to write something that, yes, will serve you in your business because you will be better in business if you are better within yourself uh, and to branch into more inward personal development. That was, that was surprising to me and also very exciting because you're right. I have a I think without really realizing it, I've always been editing because storytelling is just who I am, uh, the stories that I tell myself. And as life has gotten more challenging as my ambitions grew and as my desire to serve these two different parts of me expanded and and as I started to push the limits of what is and isn't okay as a mother, as an entrepreneur, as a wife, I too noticed how important it was that I tell myself stories that served me instead of just listening to the stories that were already written. I think as I'm listening to you, I'm like, okay, Liz, you're on the Zoom, so you can't talk over her because it's going to mess up the audio. But I'm like at church right now. I'm like, yes, yes, more. This is it. So isn't this just the, I don't know, the humanity of the entrepreneur and the leader that we're always constantly seeking out the next strategy? We want to know, okay, what do we have to implement to get to our next level in business? What do we have to do? Give me the tactics. Give me the checklist. I can push through that. I can make that happen. When in reality, what we really need is to stop and look and say, what evolution do I need to experience? Where can I tap into my next level of leadership? And to everything you're saying, what are the stories that I'm telling myself that are ultimately becoming my ceiling? It's not another strategy that's going to break us through that thing. It's not another strategy that's going to make that ceiling our floor. It's us. It's our growth and our own development into what I define it as our next level of leadership, but I think there are a lot of ways you can put it. So can you talk more about that? Like, I guess <laughs> I was just about to do what I said we do naturally as entrepreneurs, which is say, how do you choose your story? And I don't mean from a tactical perspective, but I think sometimes we might not be, our stories have become our truth, right? Even if they're lies, even if they're the things that are holding us back. So what was that process like maybe for you or people that you've witnessed just over the years of kind of seeing this happen or the companies that you saw that were unwilling to really lean into that evolution of their story to break through to that next level and say, oh, wait, I actually do have some new stories I have to choose. Like, is there a process or a thought process that goes behind something like that? Yeah, I think so. So it's funny that you ask that because the way that I wrote the book is there is a methodology, a, a four-step process you can go through to systematically make a change. And, and I think that there is, I mean, 
why not? Why not have a set of steps that you can follow even when it comes to inward work? It it makes it inward work seems so much more um, doable versus just vague. But but before going into that methodology, I do think it's really important what you said there is that our our stories become our truth. And, and one of the really interesting things is that our brains, and this goes all the way back to the neuroscience of it, but, but back when I was teaching people about the power of storytelling in outward communication, I was always sharing with them that the human brain is programmed to want to hear stories. This is how we evolved. This is what made human beings who they are, because we had the ability to share stories with others and therefore make sense of the world. Over time, what happened is we also developed the ability for the internal narrative to take the situations, the experiences around us to log them, and then to retell those stories, those experiences to ourselves. Now, keep in mind, this happens as automatically as blood throwing through your veins, oxygen coming into your lungs, your ancient brain has stories happening all the time that are just under the surface level of your consciousness. There was this moment, uh, authors have these funny moments where all of a sudden a a section of the book comes to you uh, in the most random places. And it came to me one night, uh, Michael and I were walking home. Now we live in New York City, so we're walking home on the streets of Manhattan. It was dark and it was it was in that period of time that was after the complete lockdown shut down and it was more like so that would be like the fall of 2020. And um, we were walking home it was a beautiful evening and we passed by this spot on the street that in our old apartment where we used to live we would look out our windows and we would watch people every night it was across the street was a taco shop and every night at the end of the night the people at the taco shop would take out the trash and put it on the street that's what they do they put trash on the sidewalk and then the trash trucks come and take it away. And since there wasn't a lot of entertainment, you know, during the lockdowns, um, that spring, we would look out our window and when the weather just started getting nicer and people were maybe out and about just a little bit more, there was this one night where we would watch these one night in particular, but it happened a lot. These girls were walking along, talking to each other. And all of a sudden, one of them just started screaming and jumping around. And then the other one started screaming and jumping around because in that pile of trash from the taco shop, we're rats. No, that's what, that's what happens. The the taco shop puts out their trash, and then the rats come out and get the trash. Like this is a very, this is just a natural thing that happens every night. Now there are rats all over New York City, and they wreak havoc. Uh, they'll they'll like eat the wires. But you can ask many New Yorkers, and they'll say that they've never seen one because they hide in the distance, they creep in and out of the corners, and they're they're just a part of life that we don't even notice until they jump out and scare you as you're walking home past the Dos Toros trash. So anyway, Michael and I were walking by these exact same trash bags, and we saw the rats because we'd moved apartments. We weren't looking out the window at these rats anymore. And I was like, oh, Michael, do you remember these rats? We used to love and laugh about these rats. And I said to him, you know, these rats are a lot like the stories that we tell ourselves. Like they are 
always there. They are they are going through our trash. They are pulling out the the worst of it, and we're just traipsing along, pretending like they're not even there. Until suddenly, one day, they jump out and hold us back from something. And how important it is to drag these stories into the light so that we can see them for for what they are. So so I think that's before we which is part of the methodology. But before we go into the methodology to make it clear that this storytelling process is happening all the time and the problem is those stories often aren't the stories that are designed to bring you to the next level. Those stories are there to keep you safe. They're there to mitigate risk. They're there to keep you a part of the tribe and not get kicked out or, you know, like make make mistakes or, or have something that you would regret. And so these stories play at those pivotal moments and, and you know, with their best intentions, they're meant to keep you where you are with the dangers that you already know. So, so that's kind of the background behind it. So then the key is like, how do we, A, see these stories that aren't serving us and B, then replace them with stories that that do, which is where the methodology comes in. Do you want me to so, share that? <laughs> yeah, I do. But I was wondering if you could use an example of a story that came into my head like five minutes ago that I didn't, if we weren't having this conversation, I would have buried the rat right? Like I wouldn't have noticed it, but because we're talking about it, I'm just thinking about it. So listeners don't know that like a couple minutes ago, my computer decided to just die out on me. Like literally I'm texting Kendra like, oh my God, I don't, you're the lucky winner. This has literally never happened before. I just got like the black screen of death on my computer. So stories started popping into my head and I started thinking kind of some old thoughts and old stories that I've told myself over my years of like, growing in business and running a podcast of like, oh my gosh, like she's not going to want to continue the conversation. Like I wasn't even leaning into the fact that like you're a friend that I can text and be like, and you were like, no big deal. I'll see you in a minute. But in my mind, these stories started happening like, oh, I'm not legit. Like what is wrong with my computer? They're going to think she's going to think I'm not legit. And like just all these silly thoughts that are just so not based in reality. But there are these stories that I've told myself for so long they still hold residence in my mind, despite the fact that I've personally in my business and the evidence has outgrown them, they're still there. Mm -hmm. So can we maybe use something like that as an example to work through your methodology? Yeah. So, I mean, and this is, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. And the fact that you said, you know, I didn't even know that those stories were there. And if we hadn't been talking about the stories you tell yourself, you wouldn't have even seen them for what they are. The dirty little rats that are, you know, stealing. You're like, what? Yeah. There's no evidence that would say that that is what was really happening here. Mm -hmm. And so, So yes, this is, so the methodology, I think it's easiest if I just give you kind of an overview and then we can break it down step-by-step. Four parts. The first one is to catch the stories. The second one is to analyze those stories. The third one is to choose a different story. And then fourth, to install your new chosen story so that it becomes the automatic story, the story that becomes your default. And I worked through this methodology. I took a group of, of participants through this process step by step where they, they had to, they did exactly, exactly what you did, but intentionally. And that first step there is catching, catching the stories in the act, catching the rats. And 
I mentioned, you know, we have all these stories that are lurking just below the level of consciousness and they're there and they're massive. And really all we ever see are these little, um, tips of the iceberg that pop up above the surface. And those are often like our, our limiting beliefs. She's not going to think I'm legit. Look at me. I always mess this kind of thing up. Who do I think I am? Like, I can't believe I wasn't prepared enough. Why am I, you know, all these, all these things. And then, so you can catch some of those stories based on, I call them almost like verbal cues, even though you don't necessarily say them out loud because all of this happens in your head, but those I am, or I am not statements are a good indicator that there are stories under the surface that you've internalized that maybe are true, right? Like maybe it did happen at the beginning where something went wrong and, and somebody did get mad at you or, or, or whatever it was. But catching, catching these stories in the act is, is a really important first step. And there's a couple of different ways you can do this, this uh, seeing these tips of the iceberg, those I am statements. Uh, sometimes there is a uh, physiological response that there are stories under the surface that are holding you back. And I know, you know, just knowing you and following you, our minds and bodies are so in tuned. And if you aren't listening to your mind, your body will speak to you. Yeah. Uh, and of course, sometimes they sometimes they truly are health issues that need to be managed. But but I've learned, for example, that my self stories when they're really ramping up and they're really they're really sources of anxiety and um, limiting limiting me and trying to hold like when when I'm trying to go to a next level and those stories are really fighting against it my back will go out every no way. single time. And it's actually stopped doing that uh, because it knows that I know that it is, that's what it is. But anytime, I mean, I had, when I was first launching my company, I was coming up on a big virtual launch. I was going to launch my digital program. This is before I was doing keynote speaking. This is before I was uh, writing a book. I thought the way that I was going to bring storytelling to the world was to create a digital program. And I worked for years on it. Like while my kids were really little, I put all this money into it. It was time to, it was just about time to uh, launch it. And suddenly my back went out. And it went out to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed. I was on muscle relaxants and, you know, anti-inflammatories. I went to physical therapy and the physical therapist told me that the reason my back went out was because I am short by four, so not extremely short. And I had two kids close together, 17 months apart. I'm like, there are people who are shorter than me that have given birth to more children in less time. How is this? But it was this story, right? And so even then my physical therapist was giving me a story and yet my back pain, it wouldn't go away until I finally had a friend say, you don't have a back problem. You have a head problem. And he didn't say it's a story problem. But I started realizing that I was having a story problem. It was, uh, you're going too far. Who do you think you are putting yourself out there? This is going to fail. So I had the opportunity then with that back pain to take a look at some of those stories that were underneath the surface. The body really keeps the score. 
It's like unbelievable. And it's funny that you're saying that because you're the third person in the last month that I've heard of uh, specific to the back having Mm -hmm. pain or a reaction. And there's a book called, well, there are many books called Breathwork. So I'll have to double check who the author is and put it in the show notes. But there's a book called Breathwork and it's all about healing your back ailments because it's not really a back issue. It's in your head and in your breath work and, you know, healing through understanding what's going on in your brain. So that's so fascinating how it will show up in other ways. And if it's not showing up and manifesting in your physical health, it'll show up and manifest in your mood and how you it affects your relationships and everything that, you know, follows that. So is it smart to build in, I don't know if safety nets or it's more like bumper lanes in the process of identifying these things, like having the people you love and trust that know and have your best interest at heart to be able to help you identify when those stories are creeping up. Like my husband, Michael, is that for me, even though it really frustrates me when he calls me out, but he's, once I sit with it and get over my, you know, like annoyance that he's, he's, you know, holding up the mirror. I'm like, dang it. He's right again. Like that is true. It's, It's actually a very, that is a very fine line to walk. So I have a, a team member who, you know, she now is familiar with the content and has been working with me on it and fully believes in the power of the story you're telling yourself. And I was having one of those bad days, a day where I felt a lot of scarcity, uh, that I had like missed opportunities that, um, I was falling behind and, you know, I was having these feelings and there were, and I know that there were stories in the background that were, that were playing, uh, that were lifting that belief up. And I was expressing venting to my team member. And she said, you need to change the story you're telling yourself. And I was like, And then she like did it, but and then she did it again, like another time, like, well, you need to change the story you tell yourself. And I was like, hold up here, (laughs) hold on for a second. Like you cannot use that as like, um, as like a reprimand or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, it, it really like, once you know what this is and you know, the person you're talking to knows what this is, the power of the stories they tell themselves especially if they know, if you know, they know, right. This is not a weapon to be like used again. Well, you better change the story you tell yourself. So, so I would say, yeah, like Michael, he knows that I know. And if a story, my, my Michael, my husband, if a story goes on too long, we'll talk about it in those terms, but it's more like a question uh, than it is a, it's more like, do you think there's a story there? Right. Uh, then it is gentle. A, you better change the story you're telling yourself. So that is one thing that came up. And I told my team member, I'm like, you just became a piece of content because I'm going to tell people never to say that. And she's like, I'm so sorry. But you could see how that would be. Yeah. You proceed with caution is what I would say. Yeah. Being graceful about it. I think my Michael has learned that about me where exactly. you can't like, you can't just full on come at me. It's got to be like a series of peeling back the layers of the onion with very gentle questions that allow me to get to the conclusion myself and not have anybody tell me the conclusion because I need to, even when he does it gently, I still get like aggressive because that's just my nature. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think about this for our kids. Like I'm 34 and rewriting stories from even my childhood or how you phrased it, like your PT gave you, gifted you or kind of like put a story into your head. 
they don't always come from us. Sometimes they come from other people. Sometimes they come from just what we witnessed in our childhood. Like there are a lot of stories that are very subconscious just based on how we were, the things we experienced in our lives or watched or traumas or whatever. And then I think of my my six, four, two-year-old and I'm like, man, the power of this process at those ages, do you do this with your kids or talk yeah. about this with your kids? Because your kids are pretty young too. Yeah, I think that, well, there's a whole chapter in the book about self-storytelling and family parenting um, because like my goal is that that this is where it stops, that the next generation, of course, that everybody reads the book, but that if there are enough people that realize uh, the stories that are at work and the stories that are working against us, but more importantly, the stories that that there are so many stories in our life that serve us, that we can use as, as tools, as fodder, as support for going forward, that if there are enough people that then pass this on to their children, think about, think about the pain that we can, that they can bypass. So, so right now, the main work that I'm doing as a parent and self-storytelling with my kids is, it's true, I, I am one of their primary sources of the stories they will tell about themselves. Parents always are. And these stories can creep up anywhere. We, you know, in the participants in the group, the stories that they remembered, Elizabeth, you mentioned earlier about the things that started coming back to you, the specific moments one woman who has always struggled with her weight, that was something she wanted to change. She could go all the way back to elementary school and remember the day they did weigh-in, which is crazy that they did weigh-in day at school. She remembered exactly what she was wearing. She remembered exactly how much she weighed and that she was the heaviest one in school. And, and this is something that happened decades before, and she can remember everything about it. And it still to this day is a story that runs rampant in her self-conscious that tells her that she's always going to struggle with her weight. And so seeing that stories can come from anywhere, but as parents, the importance of equipping our children with vivid memories, vivid stories of who they are and what they're really about. There is, there's a big opportunity here for parents as we are raising children in this insane time. Because as time will go on, this will fade into the background. They'll vaguely remember various things. But to remind them, you know, we can glaze over saying, oh, kids are so perseverant. But we can remind them of the day that XYZ happened and you had to do ABC as a result of this global situation to equip them with the details, with the emotions, with that full story so that when they're 20 years old and they're dealing with something else that they can say, you know what? I've been through, I've persevered through something worse than this or similar to this or whatever it may be. That is a story that they have running in their subconscious are these stories. So the importance of parents to be constantly seeing seeing the moments for what they are seeing these their their children's challenges the the moments where they 
exhibited leadership where they faced a challenge, you know, where they faced an obstacle head on. It is, I see it as my job as a parent to distill that down and be like, okay, that's a story and then feed it back to them at any, any opportunity I can so that that becomes a story they tell themselves in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think helping them identify, you know, with time for themselves to catch the rats too, you know, and, and figure out every child, just like each of us are so unique. How do they need to be gently asked the questions to help them identify it for themselves instead of making, because a story can emerge from a parent throwing it in their face too, yeah, or exactly. using it as a weapon. Like you said, you know, we have to find ways, what's the biggest benefit for them. But I just, I, I think of it the same way I think about like, man, my kids have been like eating clean and healthy since day one. Like they're going to be like superhumans because I ate, you know, whatever garbage and have to like work through growing into a person who evolves and eats healthy and gets better in my 30s. I think of it the same way for this kind of stuff, like the leadership stuff and the story. If they have this from two years old how advanced can they become just in who they're supposed to become? I don't even mean in metrics of success, you know, financially, any of that stuff. I just mean in feeling fulfilled and purposeful and having clarity and significance and all the things that we crave as adults. And we, you know, build all these things to try and fill those voids. They're not going to have those voids to fill and they can build from a rock solid foundation. So I, the work you're doing is to me, in my opinion, multi-generational, it's so impactful. And one of the things, you know, every week on Thursdays, we have our raising luminaries episode that's geared towards entrepreneurial parents who are who are passionate about raising up leaders from any at any age. And that's the piece we talk about all the time is we can't just pay lip service to the things that we think our kids should do. We have to embody it. We have to break through those things ourselves. So to me, you know, choose your story, change your life is another tool for us as this generation of leaders to evolve into who we need to be to raise up the next generation of leaders and give them that gift too. So I want to thank you for another incredible resource and tool that I can leverage, that my husband can leverage, and that we can bring to our children in a really special way to you know, really help them become who they're called to be. Well, and I think we always are. As adults, we're looking to tap into the essence of who we are and that we do we lose it somewhere along the way. And, and what could the world be like if, if we had generations of people who didn't lose their essence, who, mm-hmm. who were telling themselves the stories of who they are and what they're about from the very beginning? Yeah. Well, every conversation I have with you, Kendra, is like my favorite conversation. But what I uh, am going to do is I'm going to link when this podcast goes live, we'll be in pre-order phase of Choose Your Story, Change Your Life. So I'm going to link that in the show notes so everybody can go pre-order their book. I want us to like break the internet on your official launch day. Oh, I love that. And actually, we have, I'm excited to start getting this message out before the book releases, which is in January. So we, because I'm going to be doing a live uh, 12-week course about like the key limiting beliefs and um, applying the method, which now that I think about it, we only got through step one of the method. So I guess that wasn't meant to be like, now I guess you're going to have to go get the book. But, Perfect. <laughs> but, we'll, but we'll be working using the methodology to to break down like 12 of the biggest limiting stories that that people are telling themselves. But I do have a quiz to kind of get a jumpstart going. If people want to take the quiz, uh, dive a little bit deeper into their limiting stories, their limiting beliefs, 
And of course that then comes that you get the pre-order and you get all the bonuses. So that link is chooseyourstorychangeyourlife.com slash quiz. Easy. Awesome. And we'll link to that too in the show notes. And Kendra, you're amazing. Tell us where people can come find you outside of the quiz. So we have the quiz. Of course, I am. I do most of my storytelling like in the moment on Instagram. I find it such a great platform to write stories and share stories. So I'm just Kendra Hall there. Uh, you can also go to my website. I have a sign up on there. It's kendrahall.com. So you can get weekly storytelling updates from me and all things book. Those are the best places. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us today. This is such a powerful conversation and I can't wait to get it in the earbuds of our listeners because I know uh, this is really critical work. You know, all the, the, we can have a lot of conversations around really valuable things to grow and elevate, but if we're trying to do those things as we have the wrong stories taking hold in our head, it's going to be really uh, a slog to try and move forward in our lives. So thank you for your work. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. We pick a luminary each week from our social posts. So if you want to be entered into our Luminary of the Week drawing, then comment, save, and share the Instagram post from this episode. We want to lead and spoil you. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.